Well, we're continuing on in looking at uh, the essentials of Christian maturity. And uh, the passage that uh, we're uh, basing the whole series on is found in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, beginning with the 14th verse, where it says, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification or holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And he goes on and he says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. As I was looking at that this past week, I uh, was looking at how really grace begins, practicing grace, practicing sanctification, practicing of uh, the Christian faith begins in the home. And it's in the home where the children learn how to live holily. Though it's in the, the home that children experience God's grace. It's in the home where they experience their parents' grace and uh, where they are taught what God is like. And as I was thinking about that, I remembered uh, when I first got started walking with the Lord, he had a lot of cleaning up to do, a lot of self-centeredness to get out of the way, a lot of bad examples that I had to be gotten rid of. And I had to replace examples of how to be a parent uh, with uh, the way that God wanted me to be a parent. And as we turn our lives over to him, he changes us. He helps us to become those people that we were called and created to be. And that deep inside, we've always longed to be. And as I was thinking about that and how I began to, to change, I'm not going to say grow. There's so many things I just need to get rid of and, and replace. And one of the, you know, sometimes the Lord just kind of lets you stand up against the wall and puts a little mark like uh, like in, in, in many of you in your household. You probably have a, a place where you'd line your kids up on the wall and mark how tall they've gotten, how much they've grown. Well, sometimes the Lord will do that with us and he'll show you, see, you're in a different place now. And people around you can see you're in a different place now. One of those times happened in Jacksonville, Texas. And uh, Sue and I were just talking about Jacksonville. I served there for quite a few years. And uh, uh, Joel, my son, our eldest child, was learning how to drive. And he needed some practice big time. And they were not letting him, they're not, they weren't driving around with them very much. They were just going to classes, it seemed like. And so we decided he needed some on-the-road experience. And so we got out on uh, the highway going from Jacksonville to Rusk. Now, Joel was driving. He was doing just fine. And we got almost to Rusk on this highway. And the highway was two lanes, deep ditch, grassy, no, it was just two lanes, deep ditch, and then two lanes the other direction. And uh, every now and then there were crossovers, just wide enough 
for two lanes to be on the crossover. And so we were almost to Rusk. And so I said, Joel, when we get to this next crossover, you need to make a left and, and make a U-turn so we can head back to Jacksonville. He said, yes, sir. And then we got closer and closer and he wasn't slowing down. And he never slowed down. <laughs> he took a 90 degree turn going about 60 miles an hour. I mean, he just, woo, you know, I guess anyway, you know, I mean, this was a heavy car. It was a, it was a big old boat of a car. Anyway, next thing you know, we do a donut on one side. We do a donut in the very center of the crossover. I mean, we spun around in the crossover, came back out, did another half a donut, I guess you'd say. It was like a two and a half gainer, you know, sideways. And uh, wound up, stopped on the outside shoulder of the oncoming uh, lane uh, from where we started with at a stop on the shoulder, perfectly lined up. And then we just sit there. There's this moment of silence. <laughs> and my, my heart's going, come on, come on, come on, come on, you know. And he's just there just waiting for it because he knows what's coming. He was just starting to already hear the, what were you thinking? And all that sort of stuff that was getting ready just to rain down upon him. And I looked over at him. And I saw he had already beaten himself up more about this than I could ever do with a verbal tongue lashing. I didn't need to say anything about it. So I just looked at him and I took a deep breath and I said, Joel, he said, yes, sir. I said, whatever you do, don't ever do that with your mother in the car. <laughs> And he said, yes, sir. <laughs> and we drove home. That's all that needed to be said. I don't think he's ever done that again. He didn't need any more lesson. Lesson was understood. He got it. But see, sometimes uh, the way I'd been brought up, I would have been just raked over the coals and all sorts of other horrible things and terrible things would have been said to me about how dumb and stupid I was and all this sort of stuff. And sad to say, when I started out as a parent, I would go into that mode just automatically. But the Lord helped me to get out of that. And uh, he just kind of showed me, see, you've grown a little. Long way to go, but you've grown a little. And so uh, we do see that uh, in our, well, what I'm trying to say is that we're never going to be able to show our kids God's love, God's mercy, God's grace as fathers or mothers until we have experienced it in our own hearts. And he begins to do a work in our hearts. And so today... What I want to talk to you about more than anything else is uh, the fact that we do have God as a father. And oh, what a wonderful father he is. And uh, in so many ways, we as earthly fathers fall so short. And I hope today, you fathers, maybe you will hear the upward call 
to become more the father that, uh, that God created you to be. No matter what age you are, it's never too late to change for the Lord. And uh, that you moms, maybe you'll hear some things out about how to be a good mom as well as I go through these with you today. But you see, all who are in Christ are God's children. And yet uh, many people find it difficult to think of God as their father because uh, their earthly fathers left them with unhappy memories and sinful behavior and its consequences. But you see, God's fatherhood has never been touched by sin. And when we struggle to understand uh, God as father, it's likely that uh, the problem comes from us trying to project onto God a notion of fatherhood that is so far from God that we, will just, we can't fathom it. Derek Prime writes, All we know of genuine human fatherhood at its best, but it is a pale reflection of what the father is, first to his son, and then to all who become his spiritual children. You see, the name of father, as we see in our lesson today, scripture lesson, is not the word that uh, we have chosen for God. It's the word that God has chosen for himself. And it's what he has chosen to call himself. Our, our great need then is to understand what God's fatherhood actually is. And then we may begin to uh, see what our relationship uh, should be like as we look at his relationship with the incarnate son, Jesus Christ. As we consider the richness of Jesus' relationship with the father, we can understand what it means for us to be adopted into God's family. Now I want to look at four different things that we have from our heavenly father uh, today. And the first one is closeness or intimacy. And this is where many, many fathers fall short. Not all, but many fall short. They have been taught that men and fathers are supposed to be aloof. They're supposed to be reserved and not express love, not express great concern or anything like that. Intimacy is one of the things that uh, many times earthly fathers don't share and don't give to children and their children grow up looking for something to fill that that lack that they have because of that you see for jesus god wasn't distant he could converse with his father openly and freely and uh, we we see him all through the bible doing this there are places where he just He's doing one thing with a crowd around him. And he'll just pause and say, Father, I thank you for revealing this to babes and hiding it from the wise. And uh, he just every now and then he'll just stop and talk to his father, his heavenly father, while other people are even still around. He was that close to his father. But one of the most intimate moments that we see it's whenever Jesus is bowed in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
and he pours out his heart to his heavenly father. He knows what his father wants. And he wants what his father wants. But as he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he poured out his struggle, his inner struggle with his heavenly father. And he as his father could go through it and came out where Jesus gets up and he goes and says, okay, it's almost time. And so uh, Jesus wants us to uh, have that same intimacy, that same closeness to where just like him, we can cry out, Abba, Father. And amazingly, the same interaction of the eternal son with the father is the intimacy that we now in some measure enjoy. Paul writes, because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his own son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We sense our connectedness, our relationship to him. Like Jesus, we can cry out to our father in times of desperation and need, certain that he's going to hear us. When we struggle to understand God as father, it's likely because we're projecting onto God a notion of fatherhood that's really not true of God himself. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my commandments and my father will love him and uh, I will love him and we will come and make our home with him. As children can make themselves comfortable in the home of a warm and affectionate father, relaxing and sharing their lives without fear. So in Christ, we may know what it's like to be at home, at home with God. And this kind of closeness is only a glimpse of what we're going to enjoy uh, with God uh, by sharing life in his son whenever we finally get to be there in heaven with him. But we begin to experience it in the here and the now. You know, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give, I do give, give to you. Uh, but my peace. It's a peace that passes all understanding. I remember sitting with a family who had just lost their 19-year-old son. And they were so devastated. He was such a good kid. He was such an, a model son. And he, anyway, I'm not going to go through the details, but they were hurting deeply. And the father turns to me and he says, Joel, it hurts. I've got to tell you, it hurts. But one thing I want to know, how do people that don't know the Lord get through this? He could ask that question because in the midst of his pain, he felt the closeness and the intimacy of the Lord being right there with him. 
I read a story yesterday, an account, no, it was the day before yesterday, of a little girl who was in a, a terrible family situation, so much so that her father, in front of her, took out a gun and shot and killed his her mother right in front of her and then shot and killed himself and left her sitting there on the couch all alone. People heard the gunshots. They called the police. They came. They took the little girl. They put the little girl into a, a foster home, and then she was adopted into a, a very loving family. She was about eight years old when this happened. And this new family that she had, they were Christian, and they were good. And she went to church one Sunday, and she as she was coming out, she looked up and there was a crucifix hanging there. And she asked the priest, when, when did he get off the cross? And the priest said, he never did. He died there on that cross. And the little girl said, no, he didn't. He said, how do you know that? He said, because when I was sitting there, all by myself when my mom and daddy died he came and sat down beside me and he put his arm around me and he told me everything's going to be okay that's the kind of God that we have that's the kind of heavenly father we have he is going to be with us through thick and thin and let us know somehow even when we can't see how that everything's going to be okay what a mighty and wonderful God we serve the next thing that we see about God is his generosity and this is something that uh my grandparent, my grandfathers were both famous for in my hometown was their generosity. And they were famous for it with their grandkids too. I'll tell you that. But uh, Jesus knew his father to be generous. He described the father's generosity to the crowd. He said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Jesus displayed God's generosity in His ministry by healing the sick, by driving out evil spirits, by forgiving sins, and even multiplying loaves and fishes so that hungry crowds could eat. If we have a picture in our minds of God as a father who reluctantly rations out his blessings, a little here and a little there, then we haven't understood, we haven't understood the Bible's revelation of God fully. Our heavenly father is lovingly generous. He is generous in the extreme. And he loves to lavish his grace and his affection upon us. And we need to take Jesus at his word 
when he teaches us that God is far more willing to bless his children than we are willing to ask. Next thing is security. I've shared with y'all how uh, growing up, when I first got cars, bought them myself, and all I could afford was hoopties, just little junkers, you know. In fact, my first car was a 51 Cadillac that I, I bought with the money that I that I got for, I got the money for that from selling a hog. I think I paid $125 for it. It was a grand champion fat barrel. I mean, it was, that was a lot of money back then. So anyway, an old 51 Cadillac. It's about 11, about 12, 13 years old when I bought it. Lots of miles on it. Barely got around. And the tires that I could afford to put on it, uh, I like to call them racing slicks. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so anyway, whenever I would get far out of town, there was a certain, even after I got older and married, there'd be a certain place coming back into town and getting, getting close to my hometown where all of a sudden I would start feeling more secure in that, in a, in a raggedy car because I knew that I was close enough that if anything happened and I was stranded on the side of the road, my father would come and help us out. And so there was always this sense of security when it got close to where my father lived. And uh, it's the same uh, with our Heavenly Father. The closer we are to Him, the more secure and at home we feel. When Jesus was in the the desert and hungry and fasting for 40 days and nights, He didn't yield to Satan's temptation to turn stones into bread. He understood that His Father was going to meet His needs. On another occasion, we read how Jesus warned His disciples about the false teaching about the leaven of the Pharisees, and they misunderstood what he said. We didn't bring any bread. He said, what are you thinking? Do you remember how many loaves we had and how many we fed this time? Yeah. That time? Yeah. And how many bags of remnant of, 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 of leftovers did we take up? Uh, this many. And uh, he said, I'm not talking about provision. A heavenly father will take care of that. I'm talking about the living of the Pharisees getting stuff all wrong religiously. So uh, God not only forgives our sins, but he also adopts us as his children. He invites us into his home to become members of his family and to sit at his table. He doesn't feed us at another table. We get to sit at his table. And even in the middle of uh, the realities of suffering and death, we know this security. No hardship can separate us from God's love. The Christian knows that she or he is secure in the Father's providential care and that God is going to raise you up on the last day. You see, we are guaranteed an inheritance. Inheritance goes to the children. An inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading 
It's kept in heaven for you. The last thing I want to talk to you about is identity. So many people searching for their whole lives, trying to find out who they are. When you come to know uh, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and come to know our, His Heavenly Father, all of a sudden you know who you are. You know who you are. And that identity changes your life because you want to live up to the family name. You don't want to displease your heavenly father. You have an identity. You are his. Reminds me of the story of the uh, former governor of, of Tennessee. He w grew up as an illegitimate son, uh, walking through town in a small town where everybody is looking at him and wondering, I wonder who his daddy is. And he felt inferior his whole life up till he was about 12 years old because every time he walked down the street, the guy sitting on the bench talking outside, he knew they were talking about him and speculating about who his father was. And it just burned. And it helped. It was shaping him. Then a new preacher came to town and he heard that this preacher was really good. And so he went in to hear this preacher preach one Sunday and, and he liked what he heard. And he was able to slip out. He, would, he, he kept coming every Sunday to hear this preacher. And he would always sleep out while the final hymn was going. He would always slip out so that, the, uh, uh, that, that he wouldn't get caught in the crowd. And everybody started looking at him and wondering who his father was. And so then one Sunday, he somehow didn't get out in time. As he was trying to slip out the door, he felt a real strong hand on his shoulder. He heard a voice behind him say, wait a minute, son. And he said, I need to talk to you. And the young man turned around and he looked at him. He said, boy, who's your daddy? And he just cringed as he prepared to tell him, I don't even know. And the preacher looked at him again. He said, oh, I know. I know your father. I know who your, who your father is. You're a child of God. You're God's child. Son, you have a rich inheritance. Now go out and claim it. Gave him a swat on the rump and sent him out the door. Walking tall. God's child. That's whose child I am. I'm God's child changed his life he grew up confident from that moment on and he became the most beloved governor that Tennessee ever knew well beloved throughout the state for his entire life our identity doesn't come from our earthly fathers you may be someone who had a good father and that's good so you may have been someone 
who has been brought into this world in shame in some way. But you still have a heavenly father. You're his child. And even if you don't know that you should, you should be claiming your inheritance as his child. Now then, you know, the benefits of knowing God as our father are wonderful, but I understand that not everyone experiences this. You see, God is in one sense the father of everyone as the creator of all things. But there's a difference between being God's offspring by being created by him and uh, and, 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 and being his child through the supernatural reception of the Holy Spirit into your heart and uh, as Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, Paul writes that we are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, having no hope without God in the world. In other words, by nature, we belong to a different family altogether. And it's not a good family. But here's the good news. For those who want to join God's family, we can become children of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. As uh, God gathers people by a supernatural rebirth, and as the uh, Apostle John writes, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The grace of God enables us to turn away from sin and to turn to faith in Jesus and to gain spiritual life, real life, like we've never known before. God not only forgives us our sins, but he adopts us as his children. He invites us, as I said earlier, into his home to become members of his family. Through Jesus, we may know God as our father, even as our Lord Jesus does. So the question this morning is, is God your father? Have you turned to Christ with a conscious repentance of sin, confessing your need for his redemptive work in your life? If so, then God has welcomed you into his family. The Father's love for us is more than what we can imagine. And yet, as we begin to contemplate this great love expressed uh, to God's beloved Son and to us, it will guide us to a greater awareness of all that it means to know him as Father. The song that we sang last week as we closed Higher Ground is uh, what we all should be doing, pressing on the upward way, gaining new heights every day, still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. And I pray that during this coming week, even if you do know God as Father, 
that maybe somehow you've seen one area. Maybe it's his generosity. Maybe it's, it's his security. Uh, maybe it's his intimacy. Maybe it's those needs that you have sinfully been meeting yourself that you haven't been able to trust to God. But there's some area possibly that he wants to be your father and you haven't let him yet. And I encourage you to open your heart fully to his love in all those areas of your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.